peace be with you this very moment in your breath. Ruah, the Hebrew word for breath, is the same as the word for spirit. And in this ancient tradition, breath and spirit are one. This is why we have that metaphorical picture of God breathing the world into existence, animating everything with divine breath. And that is a good image to keep in mind as we come through yet another wild week of uncertainty in the midst of the shifting weather of autumn and the approaching cold of winter. I am Reverend Dr. Candace Bist, and along with my husband, Bruce Lee, we serve the Shelburne Primrose Pastoral Charge in Southern Ontario, which consists of two United Churches. Like all of you, we have been negotiating our way through the daily realities of the COVID-19 pandemic, which is entering its second wave. We head into the Thanksgiving season with all its memories of gathered families and celebration, and we enter it with uncertainty and the natural disappointment of not being able to gather in large groups as we once did. In our Christian tradition, this Sunday is Worldwide Communion Day, a Sunday set aside where each denomination celebrates the Eucharist in its own way, but in solidarity with all others who are attempting to follow in the way of love as taught and lived out by Jesus. And yet, for health and safety reasons, we are not allowed to have a communion service in the way we once did. But it may be that we have an opportunity to consider how the practice of Christian communion, so particular to one religion, is really in service to the greater good of all people, regardless of religious affiliations one way or the other, and how when we choose to see the hand of the divine in all things, communion takes place at the breakfast table, whether you are all alone or with a gaggle of noisy children. So, no great gatherings around the turkey dinner, no traditional communion church gatherings. And then add to this the recent memory of the appalling display of world leaders behaving like schoolyard children, and now the further uncertainty concerning the health of the leader of the United States and his wife, and the inevitable uneven stock market and uncertainty worldwide. It is no surprise that we are all feeling a little unsettled this week. Perhaps that is all the more reason why we gather for some contemplative time apart and yet together, that we may turn to our faith for the wisdom that is evading us in common culture and very hard to find in the headlines. Sabbath, you will remember, is an atmosphere which we enter voluntarily, that we may rest from the weary press of the world let go of the will to shift and change the world and concentrate instead on the shifting and changing of our internal landscape. We concern ourselves on the Sabbath with our soul, and as we consider our own soul, so we aid and uplift the collective soul of the world. This week, we continue on into the season of creation learning from St. Francis of Assisi, a saint in the Catholic tradition, and by an odd coincidence, we are also touching on St. Bernadette of Lourdes and the many layers of fascinating story around a song written in her name. And Jesus brings us also the parable of the tenants in the vineyard as we consider the way of the human mind when it allows itself to be separated from God the divine mind. So in the Sabbath tradition, I ask you to leave behind for the moment the troubles of the world, and I do know there are many. But this Sabbath, this Sabbath time, is time to set aside to rest from the onslaught of all that is around us. The sheer velocity and force of the world can tire us. So here, 
we have a quiet place to rest ourselves and be refreshed. I do so hope and pray that our time together offers you healing from the week's bruising. Make me tender again has been the prayer of many. It is my prayer this week and my prayer for you that yes, in the midst of the roughness of this world, our request to God is to make us tender-hearted, sweet to ourselves and the world, and ever ready to reach out with compassion to whoever calls to us. For the fruits of all creation, thanks be to God. For the gifts of every nation, thanks be to God. For the plowing, sowing, reaping, silent growth while we are sleeping, future needs in earth safe keeping, thanks be to God. saints are common in many faith traditions. In the Christian tradition, they are mostly associated with the Catholic branch of our faith. A patron saint is a person who has been deemed by the Church as a heavenly advocate, a person with particular gifts of the Spirit that provide a conduit directly to God. Once a saint is formally designated as such, then cities or guilds or places of learning, or individuals, I suppose, may adopt them as their own patron saint. Often a saint is a patron of the place where they were born or where they performed miracles, or are in some way associated with a profession. Saint Honoré, for example, is the patron saint of bakers and confectioners. This is because the Bakers Guild of Paris, which we all know to be the center of excellent confections, first met together in a chapel for St. Honoré back in the 1700s and thus adopted him as their patron saint, naming their famous St. Honoré cake in his honour. St. Francis of Assisi is the patron saint of Italy, animals, nature, and he's the darling of all those involved in environmental concerns. Francis was born in Assisi, Italy. He loved the natural world, seeing animals and the elements as his brothers and sisters. And it is fitting that our creation season falls within the time of his special feast day, October 4th. St. Francis's family were wealthy merchants, and he was well-educated, reading and writing profusely. 
But it was from nature that he drew his inspiration to praise God through the beauty of creation. And our call to worship this morning is from his most famous writing, Brother Sun, Sister Moon. And the very short prayer that follows was his daily, continual prayer, May It Be Ours Also. Most High, all-powerful and good Lord, yours are the praises, the glory, the honor, and all blessing. To you alone, Most High, do they belong, and no one is worthy to mention your name. Be praised, my Lord, through all your creatures, especially through my Lord, Brother, Son, who brings the day and you give light through him, and he is beautiful and radiant in all his splendor. Of you, most high, he bears the likeness. Praised be you, my Lord, through Sister Moon and the stars in heaven. You formed them clear and precious and beautiful. Praised be you, my Lord, through Brother Wind and through the air, cloudy and serene, and every kind of weather through which you give sustenance to your creatures. Praise to you, my Lord, through Sister Water, which is very useful and humble and precious and chaste. Praise to you, my Lord, through Brother Fire, through whom you light the night and he is beautiful and playful and robust and strong. Praised be you, my Lord, through Sister Mother Earth, who sustains us and governs us, and who produces varied fruits and colored flowers and herbs. Praised be you, my Lord, through those who give pardon for your love and bear infirmity and tribulation. Blessed are those who endure in peace, for by you, Most High, they shall be crowned. Praised be you, my Lord, through our sister bodily death, from whom no living man can escape. Woe to those who die in mortal sin. Blessed are those who will find your most holy will, for the second death shall do them no harm. Praise and bless my Lord and give him thanks and serve him with great humility. Most high, glorious God, enlighten the darkness of my heart and give me true faith, certain hope, and perfect charity, sense, and knowledge. Lord, that I may carry out your holy and true command. Amen. In this time when meeting together is getting more and more problematical, our personal spiritual practices increase in importance. Spiritual practices are for the purpose of training us to be more tender-hearted, for our faith to be firmer and stronger, and for our general constitution to be peaceful, even as we build our courage for the challenges we face. Conferring with various saints, thinkers, theologians, those who consider the deeper questions in our tradition and in others, is always time that is well spent. Those who have taken their time to commune deeply with the source of love and compassion and grounded goodness that is God 
bless all those who come close to them by a kind of spiritual osmosis. Saints and patrons come in many forms, and you may think on your own life to realize that you also have personal saints and patrons. They may not be venerated by the church or by history or culture, but in your world they have provided patronage, emotional, financial, intellectual, spiritual support. As a spiritual practice, you might bring to your mind the many people who have gifted you with their love, attention, and instruction over the years. And having brought their faces to you, relax and accept the simple goodness that is their wish for you. It is a humbling process and one that will fill you with gratitude. It is fascinating to consider that when you look at another person, you only see one face, when in truth there are thousands of faces that allowed that one face to exist. I have had a real, venerated, honest-to-goodness saint pop up in my life this last few weeks, and it was very unexpected and came to me through a song that kept repeating itself in my head until I went into the studio to record it. I did not know why exactly at the time, and Bruce was really puzzled, as at first hearing it seems to be a simple song from the 70s, Song of Bernadette, written by Jennifer Warren, Leonard Cohen, and Bill Elliott. But, as it turns out, it is a song with much to teach us at many different levels. a child named Bernadette I heard the story long ago She saw the Queen of Heaven once And kept that vision in her soul No one believed what she had seen no one believed what she had heard That there were sorrows to be healed And mercy, mercy in this world And so many hearts are fine Broke like yours and mine Torn by what we've done and can't undo We've been around, we fail, we fly We mostly fall, we mostly run And every now and then we try To mend the damage that we've done Tonight, tonight, I just can't rest I've got this joy inside my breast To think that I did not forget That child, that song of Bernadette So many hearts are fine Broke like yours and mine Torn by what we've done and can't undo
So lots to learn here in this one little song. Lots of stories and lots of layers. Let's start with Saint Bernadette, referred to in the title. She was born in Lourdes into poverty and into a life that might have been obscure in 1844. But at the age of 14, Bernadette experienced a series of visions wherein she heard and conversed with Mary, the mother of Jesus. She would sit by a particular grotto in a trance and afterwards be able to reveal very clear experiences and instructions from Mary. Quite naturally, there were many in her family and in the church and community who repudiated these visions. After all, she was poor, uneducated at the time, and of little consequence according to the common measurements of the day, though you may well observe that those were ways of measuring and categorizing that Jesus did not indulge in. But no matter who questioned Bernadette about her visions, she held her ground and would not give them up eventually moving into a convent for quiet and privacy. She was not a physically strong person, and to spend the rest of her life in prayer and devotion. She was beloved for her kindness, her gentleness, her wit, and her sweetness with others. The Church eventually recognized the power of Bernadette's experience, and she was canonized. At Bernadette's instructions, the Marian Shrine of Lourdes was built, and it is now a major pilgrimage site to over five million visitors a year, those seeking healing, consolation, and simply to be touched by the purity of Bernadette's spirit. Now, Jennifer Warren, the main writer of this song, was traveling in the south of France near Lourdes, in the late 70s, when she penned the poignant lyrics. Jennifer was struggling to find her way back to a place of purity, to leave behind a life that had become increasingly worldly, and she was drawn to the figure of Saint Bernadette as someone who had held their ground under difficult circumstances. But there was another reason she was drawn to the name Bernadette. In an interview after the song's release, she tells this story. I was given the name Bernadette at birth, but my siblings preferred the name Jennifer, so my name was changed one week later. In 1979, on tour in the south of France with Leonard Cohen, I began writing a series of letters between the Bernadette I almost was and the Jennifer, two energies within me, one innocent and the other who had fallen for the world. So the song arose in a bus nearby Lourdes, and I was thinking about the great saint who held her ground so well and was not swayed from what she knew to be true. But the song is also about me longing to return to a place that was more pure, honest, and true. I still long for this, and I think others do too. But here is yet another layer I discovered about this song. Its title is taken from the name of a novel written about St. Bernadette's life by Franz Werfel a very successful novel that was then made into an Academy Award-winning film in the mid-40s, starring Jennifer Jones as Bernadette. Franz wrote the novel as a response to a vow he had made some years earlier. He was a Czechoslovakian Jew living in Austria when the Germans invaded that country. He and his wife escaped to France, seeking safe passage to the United States. In the last days of 1940, hunted by the Gestapo, Franz was directed to the town of Lourdes, where they found sanctuary with people who protected them and kept them safe. And during that time, 
the people told the couple the story of Bernadette, a beloved figure who they felt was offering protection during their time of need. Franz vowed that if he and his wife ever escaped safely and reached America, he would not do anything else until he had written the story of Bernadette, which he did. So, look at all the layers. A young girl, Bernadette, who encounters another young girl from another time, Mary, both who endure trials where they are discounted, both endure to bring comfort to others. And from their courage and devotion to God, a sense of wellness and healing clusters around the town of Lourdes. Perhaps it encourages people to stand up for their beliefs and not to bow to the evils that are infiltrating the countryside. And so, others hide and care for a Jewish couple, not knowing how it will turn out. The Jewish couple escape, and the writer writes a tribute to Bernadette he has heard about while he was in hiding. The novel uplifts many people and then becomes a film that is much loved and much venerated in the same way its namesake was. And then, years later, a young woman feeling she has lost her way in the world finds herself in Lourdes and is reminded that her birth name was Bernadette and finds within her artistry a way to write about her own struggle and St. Bernadette's. And I, listening to this song that will not stop repeating itself in my mind, am also uplifted by the song, the story of the song, the discovery of the story of friends, all to remind me, who can then remind you, that it is important to listen, to listen to the quiet instructions that come to us, to listen to the strength and wisdom within us, the divine spark that can comfort us and hold us steady. We may not be able to physically hold one another these days, but we can hold people in our minds, bring them to our consciousness, neighbors and friends, saints and sinners alike. Bless them, love them, value them. That is the deepest of spiritual work. May it keep you well occupied in the days ahead. There was a child named Bernadette. I heard the story long ago. She saw the Queen of Heaven once and kept the vision in her soul. No one believed what she had seen, and no one believed what she had heard, that there were sorrows to be healed, and mercy, mercy in this world. So many hearts, I find, broke like yours and mine, torn by what we've done and can't undo. I just want to hold you, Come on and let me hold you, like Bernadette would do. We've been around, we fail, we fly, we mostly fall, we mostly run. But every once in a while we try to mend the damage that we've done. Tonight, I just can't rest. I've got this joy inside my breast to think that I did not forget that child, that song of Bernadette. So many hearts, I find, broke like yours and mine, torn by what we've done and can't undo. I just want to hold you. Won't you let me hold you like Bernadette would do? Our scripture reading today continues on from last week's reading in the book of Matthew, 
as Jesus finds himself approaching his trial and death. You can see and feel the rising tension between the approach Jesus is taking to religion and the approach that is being used at the temple during his time. As a writer, Matthew is setting up the battle between the existing empire and the emerging revolution, between the chief priests and the Romans, and Jesus and his band of followers. Matthew chapter 21, verses 33 to 46. Listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard, put a fence around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. Then he leased it to tenants and went to another country. When the harvest time had come, he sent his slaves to the tenants to collect his produce. But the tenants seized his slaves and beat one, killed another, and stoned another. Again, he sent other slaves, more than the first, and they treated them in the same way. Finally, he sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and get his inheritance. So they seized him, threw him out of the vineyard, and killed him. Now when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to these tenants? And they said to him, He will put those wretches to a miserable death and lease the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the produce at the harvest time. Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the scriptures? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is amazing in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people that produces the fruits of the kingdom. The one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, and it will crush anyone on whom it falls. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they realized that he was speaking about them. They wanted to arrest him, but they feared the crowds because they regarded him as a prophet. This parable can be studied and interpreted in many ways. That is the beauty of the scriptures, their complexity. They are always open to new understanding as we progress through history and come to understand what it means to be human, moving as we do in the world through different cultures, different worldviews, and also the internal swirling of each person's reading within their own narrative, their own story, their own time in history. So if you think back to the time that, say, the King James Bible was written, readers would have heard this story and simply accepted the idea that the landowner had the land, and he could pretty much do what he wanted, and that the tenants, the slaves, even his own son, were there to be bent to his will, there to serve his purposes, because that was the way the world worked for people hearing the story. The king and the lords had the land. Everyone else worked for them. And it followed in this thinking that if the story was about God, then God was the landowner because, well, God created everything, so therefore he was the ultimate landlord, and he could pretty much do what he wanted. Our job was to serve God. And not much attention would have been given to what kind of God was being served because God was seen as all-powerful, male, warlike, and within his rights, therefore, to treat people as he wished. And this is how the chief priests interpret Jesus' parable. They fully concede that if the tenants are non-compliant, then the landlord, who they see as God, has every right to be harsh and to kill them. Leanne recently reminded me of the work of theologian William Herzog, 
who wrote a book back in the early 90s entitled Parables as Subversive Speech. Herzog brings a new lens to this and to other parables, examining things like land ownership, the working conditions of the peasants, the rights of people, how wealth is distributed, and so on. And he sees the parables not as stories where the center character is automatically seen as a figure representing God, but as stories about the very real issues that Jesus was drawing attention to in the time in which he lived. Herzog would have us learn to ask questions, inquire where we might not have done before, and certainly through this lens, you might look at the opening a little differently. Hear it again. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard, put a fence around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. Then he leased it to the tenants and went to another country. Well now, that doesn't sound very much like the kingdom of heaven, does it? The landowner has the land, fences it in, no sharing, builds a watchtower for, I am supposing, the idea of keeping out thieves and marauders, and then he leaves everything behind and goes off somewhere else, supposedly to do the same somewhere else. There is no relationship with his tenants. Like his slaves, they are just there to do his bidding. Where is the relational aspect of agriculture that would more clearly reflect the sharing economy that was the heart of Jesus' teaching. Instead, it feels remarkably like a multinational arriving in a foreign country, setting things up, legally protecting their investment and a security system that says, keep out, then leaves to go somewhere else where he can exploit the workers. And when the workers revolt, killing his slaves, he simply sends more of them, as though they are expedient. All he wants is his profits. The fact that he sends his son is further evidence that he has no connection with the actual vineyard, the tenants, his slaves, his son. His focus is always on the profits. The owner cares not for others. The owner only cares for himself and his prophets. Is that the God we love? But here we are, in our particular time, on this particular weekend of the year, in the worldwide pandemic in the year 2020, in our rural, small-town situation, where we have just closed our churches for the foreseeable future, and there is something else to note. Listen again to the last part of the parable as it fits into the situation in which Jesus is actually living out his last days on earth. So the tenant seized the son, threw him out of the vineyard, and killed him. And Jesus turns to the chief priests and asks the question, Now then, when the owner of the vineyard comes... What will he do to these tenants? And the chief priests, they don't hesitate. They know the answer. They respond, well, he will kill those wretches and put them to a miserable death and lease the vineyard to another tenant so that he will get his produce and his harvest. The chief priests, thinking themselves very clever and thinking that God is like them, and thinking that they, in the same situation, would absolutely punish the tenants, thinking an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, a death for a death. This is their way of thinking, and this is the world in which they live. And Jesus responds, Have you never read the scriptures? 
The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is amazing in our eyes. And therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people that produces the fruit of the kingdom. The kingdom of God belongs to the merciful, not the vengeful. The kingdom of God belongs to those who try always to see through a different lens, to imagine a different understanding, to those who in humility may imagine that they do not have all the answers and who will place themselves under divine authority and follow in the way of compassion. Last week, during our discussion at Primrose, Jeff asked the question, aren't we supposed to be following Jesus? What does it matter what others say? And by this, he was referring to earlier Old Testament scriptures. These scriptures certainly have their place in history, and they have deep instruction for us. But ultimately, we are trying to listen to the newer interpretations that Jesus is offering up, and that we, all these many years later, can find within our own context. We are a servant people, and we serve one another, not profit, not landlords, not multinationals, not political parties. We serve the goodness that can be found in ourselves and in others. We are pilgrims on a journey Fellow travelers on the road We are here to help each other Walk the mile and bear the load Sister, let me be your servant Let me be as Christ to you Pray that I may have the grace To let you be my servant
With the rising numbers of COVID cases here in Ontario and the provincial government's repeated requests that we simply stay home as much as possible and resist going out and visiting, both Primrose and Trinity United Churches have made the decision to keep their sanctuaries closed for the time being for public worship. The work of the Church continues in many ways, but not in the form of physical gatherings on Sunday morning. Each week, a new podcast will be released along with articles and links for you to read during the week, and we will be pondering how best to care for everyone during this continuing uncertain time. Please contact me through our website, shelburneprimrose.com, if you have specific needs or requests. Our closing prayer comes from the moderator of the United Church of Canada in a special service he offered. I know that many of you are missing the Lord's Prayer as well, so I'm going to add that to his prayer so you can join me at home. Let us pray. Gracious one, we pray. When we aren't sure, God, help us to be calm. When information comes from all sides, correct and not, help us to discern. When fear makes it hard to breathe and anxiety seems to be the order of the day, slow us down, God, and help us to reach out with our hearts when we can't touch with our hands. Help us to be socially connected when we have to be socially distant. Help us to love as perfectly as we can, knowing that perfect love casts out fear. For the doctors we pray, for the nurses we pray, for the technicians and the janitors and the aides and the caregivers we pray for the researchers and theorists, for the epidemiologists and the investigators, for those who are sick, for those who are grieving, we pray. For all who are affected all around the world, we pray for safety, for health, for wholeness. May we feed the hungry and give drink to the thirsty, clothe the naked and house those without homes. And may we walk with all those who feel they are alone. And may we do all we can to heal the sick in spite of the epidemic, in spite of the fear. Help us, O God, that we might help each other. In the love of the Creator, in the name of the Healer, In the life of the Holy Spirit that is in us all and with us all, we pray. Hear us now as we pray together the prayer that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.